where do you draw the line as far as that's concerned? I would take food advice from Brunson and Cardone before I took it from Sam. Sam doesn't look like the physique you want. Cardone's Jack. Brunson's, he wears baggy clothes, but he's, I've been to his house two or three times. Like he's in great shape, right? I've watched him wrestle on the mat. Yeah, yeah. I've watched, he's an athletic dude. Sam, not so much. So yes, that's a big deal for me is working out and all that. But the food side of it, man. So here's the easiest diet I can tell you. And it all starts from here. This is like the gateway drug. You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? My name is Josh Forty, at Josh Forty on Instagram, and I ask life's biggest questions and share the answers with you. My goal is to help you find purpose, happiness, and open your mind to new realms of possibility by helping you think differently about everything you do, know, and understand. On this podcast, we think different, we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and oh boy, we are in for a treat with today's guest. I got introduced to this guy back, gosh, it was probably like three years ago when I first heard of him, and uh, he certainly was not what he is today. He was. He was on his way for sure, but I got attached to this guy's energy and commitment to success, commitment to just being awesome um, and leveling everybody up with him. And then I found out more about his story. And once I found out about his story, I was like, dude, oh my gosh, I got to get this guy on the podcast. And I've been following him for several years. You are in for a real treat. It is the man, the myth, the legend, the hardcore closer and the founder of the Break Free Academy, Mr. Ryan Stuman. What is going on, my man? What's up, dude? I appreciate that intro, man. I, I didn't realize we'd known each other that long, but I, I, I think we've done a podcast or something before, right? Like we did a hangout did a or something stream. like that before. Yeah, yeah in my group, it. like over a year, year and a half ago, I think it was. It was a minute ago. No, the first time, dude, the first time I ever got introduced to you, there was a guy named, do you know Johnny Zalas? No. Okay, he had messaged you on Instagram. Johnny's listening. Yes, brother, I remember yeah. you. <laughs> but no, he... um. No, he, he DM'd me on Instagram. I don't know. He DM'd you on Instagram. We were chatting back and forth. He shot me a link to your booking. This was like three years ago when we were doing Instagram services. And you, we were ch- chit-chatting. And it wasn't a fit back then. But I remember I was so sick that day. I actually took the call from bed. I didn't tell you that. But I took the call from my bed because uh, I was like dying of sickness. But I was like, I'm not, I'm not wussing out on Ryan Stuman. So <laughs> I, uh, I took the call. But that's how that's, I knew you three years ago is when we first initially talked. But yeah, it's been a minute. A lot of changes in three years, man. Holy cow, you're out buying Lamborghinis now, Rolls yeah, Royces. Man. Congratulations. Uh, you know, cars are nice, man. I dreamed of them all my life, dude. But, you know, we just gave, you know, $20,000 to charity in the last month, dude. That's really the that. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and I don't say that's like, oh, look at me or whatever. Dude, I'm not that guy. I've just changed to become that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they say that when you start making more money, and I've made, I've been a millionaire since like 2005. Right. So I'm not new money. I'm new internet money, but I'm not new money, you know? Right. Yep. But they say that, that, like, the more money you have, the more your true character is revealed. When I'm broke, I am an asshole. I really <laughs> am a horrible person. I'm angry and mean and ego. Dude, the more money I get, dude, I just love everybody. I want everybody to win. Right. Like, it's, it, magna- it truly does magnify the best parts of my character. 
I love that. I, lo- I mean, I tell you what, I just did a podcast episode about that. I said, uh, go get rich on purpose. Don't apologize for it. I think everybody should go get rich, dude. I think it gives you the ability to help way more people. And I love that. But if dude, you're a good person. If, if you're a good, good person. person. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. But dude, you've had a crazy story. Like, dude. I do. Like, like holy cow. Like, unlike anything I've heard from anybody that I've ever met. I mean, you've lost everything. Literally everything. Multiple <laughs> times. Right? <laughs> I want, so one of the things that we're huge on in the podcast is mindset, right? I mean, like the identity shift that you changed to and become the mindset of success. I've spent the last, I lost my brother recently to a helicopter crash and that like totally hey, jacked sorry me up. Sorry to hear that. That's uh, crazy. Yeah, it was, it was rough. It totally jacked me up. 29 years old. He has a wife, kid, baby on the way. Like it just totally messed me up. But uh, during that time, like I was already studying the mind and studying mindset. And then that happened. That was March 9th. I got that phone call. And I mean, that just, Oh, that'll mess you up more. So for me, I studied the mind even more and like psychology and humans and how the brain works and the logical and the emotional part of the brain. And it's just incredible to me how much your surroundings and your environment matter. But like, dude, you, like you were in prison, bro. Like you can't, you couldn't change your environment. Like you were surrounded by, you had to have a a mentality of a winner. And I want to talk about, give us, like, take us back. Tell us your story briefly, however much detail you want to go into there. And like, talk to us about what you had to go through mentally, because you've been through something that I don't think you'd wish on your worst enemy, bro. Yeah. So, uh, I don't, you know, I really wouldn't, man. So my life's been rough and, and I'll give you like the quick version. It's, it's long, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'll, I'll give you for the, for the sake of the podcast, I'll give you the quick version. When I was young, my family's very well to do. Uh, my grandfather owned banks on my mom's side and my father's dad was an entrepreneur. And so they both like he owned a glass factory, right? So grandfather number one owns a bank. Grandfather number two owns a business and they become very successful. In 1984, the SNLs crashed. That's the savings and loans. Um, and my grandfather owned like 10 of them. And so they crashed. And in order to keep the uh, like, so they own these SNLs in these very small towns. And so if you like you mess up a farmer's bank account, they might hang you. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's serious business. It wasn't like it is today. There was video cameras everywhere. There weren't that in the eighties. Right. 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 So they, get, they get ran out of town and trying to help some of the farmers out. My grandma gets arrested for cooking the books, but she was cooking them to like save some of the, the locals. Cause we were in town, like 500, a thousand people, small towns, right? Yeah, yeah. The exact type of people in Texas, they kill you if you screw their money. <laughs> So my grandparents moved way off the grid. My dad, my mom and dad split up. I never see my dad again for almost 20 years later. My, I went from like an extreme like lifestyle, horses, ranches, a car every other week for my dad and stuff like that to being like flat broken. I don't have a dad anymore. Never saw my dad again. My, my mother remarries, marries his stepfather. He doesn't know how to handle me. They think that I got ADD or whatever the case, man. So he occasionally decides to beat the living crap out of me. And uh, like, I still have a steel rod in my hand today. My wrist doesn't move because of him like chasing me, beat me up, knocked me out of a second story window. So rough childhood there. I left, I got kicked out of school in the ninth grade because I was having such a hard time at home. I just hated school. I just wanted to do drugs and fade away, to be honest with you. And I uh, tried to do that really, really hard and uh, overdosed and ended up getting in trouble with the police. Go to prison for having drugs, right? Go do two years of my life in prison. And, and what what's is messed this? up? I was uh, 19, 20 when I went to prison. So, uh, so think about this though. Like, so you see on TV, you're like, you know, the dude, the new guy walks into prison. He's like walking down the road. They're like, Hey fish, I'm going to sleep with you tonight. Right? Like you see all that, that like on TV, right? It's kind of that way. 
But here's the thing in two years, imagine like you got to do that once. That's like one of the, especially the first time, it's like the most frightening thing a, a grown man can do. I'll be promising you that. I've done some crazy stuff. That's frightening, <laughs> right. I had to do it like eight different times. They moved me to eight prisons in two years. I never got settled anywhere, man. That initiation was starting over everywhere, dude. It was the worst you could imagine. First of all, Texas, 110 degree heat, 110% humidity. There's no air conditioning in prison in Texas. None. Not even a, you, you know what you get? You get a fan going, <sighs> blowing hot air on you. You know what I mean? You might as well just come over here and breathe on me. It's going to be cooler than the hot air from 100 degrees. Like Damn. the buildings are so hot, you can feel heat from them, right? So I decided I'm never going to do that again. I get out, I go to work at a car wash, get good at sales. One of the people at the car wash, a regular customer, offered me a job in banking. This was 2004. I go take the job in banking. Three weeks later, I'm $8,600 rich, richer. Six weeks later, I'm $24,000 richer. And a year later, I'm $800,000 richer. That's nuts. Like, to the point where the police think I'm selling drugs again. They <laughs> kick in my door. I don't have any drugs. But while, while they're there, they find a gun that belonged to my abusive stepfather because I had bailed them out of a house and moved into the house. Long story short, they got his gun. It was illegal. They, uh, they, he refused to be a man and step up for it. So I got charged with it and uh, went back to prison for 15 months to federal prison this time, which is a very much more pleasant experience. Wait, wait, wait. Because... Because you had, oh, because I was already a felon. You were a felon. Hell yeah. Oh, man, that's in Texas. Oh, dang. That was yeah, So now I go to federal prison, right? Which is a lot nicer. It really was like a, a, like a boys camp or whatever. But I had to go there for 15 months. I walked in a millionaire. I walked out with $25 in my name. My wife divorced me. She left me for the landscaper, uh, spent all my money, sold all my houses, liquidated all my accounts, no furnitures, no clothes, no shoes, no nothing, right? Boom, nothing. Set me up. I walked out, had to move in with my parents. I already hate my parents because of the situations they put me in over the years. So I'm homeless, got nowhere to go, no life, no nothing. I get a job at a bank. They were to finally get a job at a bank. It took me like two months to convince a bank to give me a job. I become top producer, make $300,000 out of the gate. Obama signs the Dodd-Frank Act. I lose my ability to originate oh mortgages because I'm a felon and you can't be a felon and have a license anymore. And that's why I got into internet marketing. So the reason why I tell you that, and obviously internet marketing, I was way ahead of the social media game and I could go into that, doesn't really matter. Yeah, and, yeah. and now it's really caught up. I've been doing this for, for 10 years now. I've been online hard for 11 years, but I've been full-time at this for 10 years now. But, but here's the reason why I tell you that, and, and this is what your audience is going to love. Uh, don't feel bad for me. My life's fine. Drove a Lamborghini to work today. We live, we work in the nice, <laughs> I live in one of the nicest homes that you would ever imagine. Right. So like I have three wonderful kids in private school, beautiful wife, great friends and network now. So don't feel bad for me. I had to go through all that to learn what I'm about to share with you. In the last three years, my life has dramatically changed. I'm a different person. I don't have anything to sell you today. Uh, I don't have anything to pitch you on or any of that stuff. I just want to give you guys the thing that allowed me to go from these meteoric rises. Think about this. You become a millionaire, your dream, your millionaire, and you get arrested and go to prison and lose it all. And you got to move back in with your mama. I should write a book called from millionaire to moving in with mama, right? Like as I've had to do that. And, and so like, imagine that's like jet propulsion, right? Followed by a rock bottom that you like, you're like, Hey, somebody give me a jackhammer. See if we can dig this a little bit deeper, you know? And for me, I got tired of having these ups and downs, right? Make a bunch of money, pff, screw it up here. Get my life together, something happens here. And even though like the government stuff might have been out of my control, like losing my license and things like that at the time, it still happened as a cause of me not doing what I'm about to share with you. 
there is an algorithm on this planet that I call the force of average, right? Its job is to maintain sanity and equalness on this planet. Everybody's always talking about balance, this, that, and the other, right? And so there's an algorithm on the planet designed to keep you average. Think about it. If you live below average, life is actually really easy for you. The government gives you a handout. Uh, I was just in California where they have a huge homeless prob uh, problem. And, you know, I'm not saying it's easy to be homeless, but I'm saying life's pretty easy. You don't have to have high expectations and be driven and live up to the standards Josh and I do, right? right. Like you don't have the, the, I've got to buy a Lamborghini and change the world in, in, in that kind of mentality. Life's pretty easy. If you're average, you're just comfortable, right? A lot of people, they get to where they're making $100,000, $150,000 a year, or they find somebody that they're okay and they'll settle down with that person and they just live like this average life. And, it, and, all this time, society's told us that's respectable. Yeah. And the reason why they tell you that's respectable is because that's what they do, right? Of course, they want you to respect them, right? And I'm not saying it's not respectable. I'm just saying why strive to be average. But here's why most people are average. Because when you step away from average, your life becomes difficult. See, if you live below average, it's easy. Average is trying to pull you up. If you're average, it's cool. You're doing exactly what the algorithm on this planet wants you to do, right? Tide comes in, tide goes out. You stay average, we all get a life, right? But when you break free from that, when you start to break free from that force of average, you become a millionaire, right? You become ripped physically. You're not just average body, right? You become ripped mentally. You become strong and focused. You're not just some average moron, right? When you become intentional about the groups of people that you surround yourself with, right? The force of average tries to pull you back. And guess what? It'll use everything around you to distract you so that you can't become more than average. It'll use your friends. It'll use your family. It'll use your job. It'll use, hey, why go start your own business when you can safely make 150 grand a year here, right? Why go invest in that seminar when you can just watch bootleg copies on YouTube, right? Like it starts to really creep in. Hey, why go out and find somebody who really completes you when she lets you at least touch her butt, right? Like life comes in and starts to make you think that it's okay to be average. But what you don't know is the, the, Force on this planet is called the force of average and its job has one job and that's to distract you. We see 5,000 advertisements every day. We have to make 22,000 decisions every day from how we comb our hair to what we wear to apex bling chains or whatever the case <laughs> is, right? It's $40 on Etsy, best uh, investment ever here. So, uh, and so it's probably turn my neck green by the time that we're done here. But so here's what I know with this force. The one thing that allows you to combat, if its job is to distract you, because if you're distracted, you're not in the zone. And we know that when human beings are in the zone, we go to the moon, baby. We redraw maps. We take over anything that comes in our way. We are apex, right? Yep. So our job is to figure out how we can get in the zone, how we can stay focused, because focus is our true superpower. And let me tell you how big of a superpower it is. When I was growing up on that ranch, we had horses. And when horses are born, we tie them up, put a halter on them and tie them up to a fence post. The horse would fight with it on day one. It couldn't do nothing with it. Go take it back. Fight with it on day two when we tie it up. Day three, it fights a little bit. It gives up. It never fight again for the rest of its life, even though when it grew all the way up, it could have easily jerked that fence off and ran up away, right? They conditioned at a young age that they can't fight it. Well, think about us. My teachers always told me I had ADD, right? Everybody always said, oh man, he can't sit still. He can't pay attention. Maybe I'm just higher vibration than y'all. Maybe I just had a <laughs> No, but they, they do this. They get you to say all this stuff so you don't, work that focus muscle that we have inside of us. But what I've learned with spending $1.5 million on seminars, mentors, programs, products, going through this stuff, coming out the other end and living the life that anybody would switch places for me. I guarantee you, Bill Gates, he may not like my money, but he'd love my life, right? Number one, my wife's way better looking than his, right? So I'm just saying, we just start <laughs> right there.
right? So are my kids, man. So the reason why I say this, there's four areas that we have to focus on. This is nothing new. You know, I'm just going to give you the code to do it. So the first area is I'm going to give you a daily routine that's worked for me and it's changed my entire life. Uh, the first, I call it the G code, right? So if there's a, an algorithm on this planet, we've got to have some kind of cheat code that we can put into that algorithm that allows us to step up and live above average without being pulled back down. See, that's the problem. We rise meteorically, we get become a millionaire, and then we don't focus in the other areas of our life. We get divorced and we have to give it all away right? Or we become a millionaire and we don't take care of our health and we got to give it all back to the hospital, yep. right? Yep. That's force of average stuff right there. Yep. Yep. So what I'm going to teach you is the four areas that you need to focus on wins and a routine to help you get into that every day. Is that cool with you, Josh? Yeah, Go that's ahead. awesome, dude. Let's Go dive into that. <laughs> I love, real quick though, maybe you're going to get into it on the force of the average or on the apex or four codes, whatever we're talking about here. Willpower versus a system behind it. Is it willpower that gets you all these things or is it something beyond that? Because I feel like eventually willpower, the force of average is going to just outwill you, right? Like there's got to be something beyond willpower. Yeah, you have to have focus. Like if, if the force of average is kryptonite, then what makes us Superman is we can focus. But a lot of people don't know what that means. They think it means like law of action, put something up on, you get a Lamborghini on your vision board, you'll get it. That's not what it is, right? Right. This is having, a, I have this saying I love, you have to Say what you see so you can hear what you say. And so this is how focus works, right? Like you have to have a vision for something and then you have to speak it into existence and then do the things that you need to do and stick with it until it exists. So many people, they do what they think they need to do and then they stop, right? You got to keep doing it until it exists. That's what true focus is. When Elon Musk interrupted the banking system, right? He disrupted the entire banking system. He was focused. Right when Jeff Bezos interrupted Walmart, Walmart, <laughs> right? He was focused, right? And so I want you to think about this. Where, where do they get focused at? So if this is a superpower, right? Like if, if you knew that you had a muscle and you wanted that muscle to be big, you go to the gym and work it out. Well, yep. focus is a muscle. And so I'm going to yep. give you the pattern to work it out daily to where it's strong. Boom. So, Let's rock and roll. All right. So I call it the G code. It's the greatness code. Okay, so if you want to be great in life, here's the four areas you have to focus on. Number one is you have to have a grateful mindset. We call that G1. G1 is gratitude, okay? Here's what I do. Every single morning, the second I wake up, I grab my phone, I open up Evernote, I start a new note, I type down, I title it the name of the date, right? So today is like 619. And in there, I write grateful and I write five things that I'm grateful for. It might be my kids, my job, but what I'm doing is first thing in the morning, I don't go pee first. I don't go roll over and kiss my wife first. As soon as I wake up, here's why there's a very specific reason for this routine I'm giving you. As soon as you get up, you're going to, you're going to, you check your phone. You're going to be hit with emails. Your wife may bitch at you. Your husband may yell at you. Your kids may disturb you. The second you get up before anything happens, you need to take a minute and be grateful for everything you have right now. Cause here's what I know. If you're not grateful for what you have right now, you won't like what you get next either. No oh, man. So true, dude. Starting that off. It doesn't help yourself. Exactly. Cause exactly. most people, most people wake up, they grab their phone and instead of going to Evernote, they go to social media, right? And yep. they, Pull up a freaking highlight Jealousy reel of somebody else's free. life. Right, exactly. It screws your mind up so much. I love that. Gratitude. Gratitude. And so, and so like, it's not like I invented this. This is like nothing new. I've just put it together. I've seen all these people do different things. I'm putting it together. But I understand that if I wake up, the second I wake up, if I force my mind to search for something to focus on being grateful for how powerful is that if I create that as a habit? As soon as I wake up, I don't wake up grumpy anymore. I don't wake up mad anymore. You know what? I wake up grateful, dude. Yep. Every day, man, it's changed my life. I've done this for 480 days in a row and document. That's crazy, dude. Okay. The next thing is, I'm, I got to work on my genetics. 
Because if I don't, if I focus on grateful, having this abundant mindset and everything else, right? Be grateful for everything I have. And let me tell you, the true balance in life isn't a work-life balance. The true balance in life is being grateful for what you have right now while pursuing what you want. Yep. That's the balance. You, you don't want to be too grateful because then you're comfortable and the force of average got you. You don't want to be too greedy because then you're not really grateful for what you have. That's the true balance we need. Yeah, I agree. In, in every area, not just business, you should want more from life and business. So the G2 is your genetics, right? Because if we're going to be the most elite version of ourselves, we have to make sure that we have the energy, the physicality, and everything else to go along with it. And if we don't focus, like we see so many people who are rich and miserable because they're not exercising the anxiety and the demons and shit that they have. They end up on pills and diabetics and, and with cancer and all these other things that infect us humans because we don't treat our genetics right. Uh, you, you have no excuse these days. There's people like Naveen Jain out there who offer like test kits that tell you what you should and shouldn't consume, what you should and shouldn't eat, how you can live, what diseases that you need to avoid and the things that you can do. Like we all have made a conscious decision if we're not filling those out, just saying, well, screw it. I don't really care about yeah. my health. Yeah. But I can promise you this. I asked everybody at a seminar not too long ago. I said, raise your hand if you would like a million dollars right now. Of course, everybody raised their hand. Raise your hand right now if you were dying and you give that same million dollars to stay alive. Every single hand in the room stood up. So why would you spend your whole life making millions only to give it to try to live at the end of your life? It doesn't make sense. You avoid. That is an up and down, right? Like we see all these people like got super rich. Steve Jobs, a good example, got super rich, died early, didn't even get to enjoy it. Yeah. You know, didn't even get to enjoy it, you know, because he didn't focus on his genetics too, you know? Yeah. So let, let's talk about that real quick. I know we got two more to go, but I, I'm fascinated by that because you're you've done a lot of drugs, right? Like growing up, I mean, you were involved in that whole thing. I know that for a while you were big on weed and then you cut it out, right? And I, I love weed, right? Like I, I smoke on the regular more or less, right? I mean, not every day, but uh, for certainly every week. So like, what's your take on drugs and what's your take on just e things as a whole? How do you decide what goes into your body or not? Well, first, I'm like 100% against like hard drugs, like coke, heroin, meth, that kind of stuff, right? So we just like get that out of the way. That's uh, good. Uh, weed, it serves its purpose. Uh, for me, I got to a point where I was smoking too much of it, but um, I don't, it's not something I do regularly, but occasionally if I'm in the right situation, I might smoke, you know what I mean? But it's not like I wake up and get high type of thing. When, know? I mean, I don't wake up and get high. Right. For me, it's more like weekends. I used to and, though and for it, years. So, that was a problem. Did you it know slow you I mean? down? Um, like no. why'd you quit? it was just time for something new. I guess I was stoned for so long. Like I had a problem, Josh. It wasn't like you. Like I was like Snoop Dogg. Like the moment I woke up, I mm. smoked all day long. Like wouldn't even leave the house, have everything delivered there. High in the gym. You know what I mean? As soon as I leave the gym, smoke a joint before I get there in the parking lot. Smoke. I mean, I smoked probably 10, 11 joints a day. I was, oh. Oh. Yeah, I was getting it. And, uh, and so I, I, and I have been that way for like 10 years. And you grew multi-millions doing that. Yeah. yeah. How, how, how much did it change? Yeah. How much did, no kidding. How much did it change your life when you cut that out and became night and day? I'm not the same real. person. Yeah. Go back to my Facebook page and scroll two years ago when I quit in uh, 2017, go back and, and look at what was going on in 2014, 15 and 16. I've never made less than six figures a year since 2004. So like, I may not have been doing it on the level I'm doing it now, but like I, I back, and what's funny is I thought I was rich at six figures. Hell, I think I'm <laughs> Know what I mean? Like, I have an eight figure, I have multiple eight figure businesses. I think I'm like real poor right this minute. But it, when I was making, you know, 200 grand a year, I thought I was in tall cotton. You know? you're ball balling. Yeah, I did. I really did. It's, it's funny, you know. But what, what kind uh, of, wait, sorry, I'll let you finish your thought there. No, go ahead. Finish. I was going to say, so, I mean, 
weed, you cut that out, night and day difference. Obviously, you're not against it, right? Nothing wrong with some weed every now and then or whatnot. But like when it comes to maybe the next thing there, which would be food, are you like super anal about your food? Because like that's one thing. So do you know do you know Sam Ovens? Of course you know Sam Ovens. You know who he is. I, I know who he is. Yeah, you know who he is. So anyway, like I, I've studied him a lot. And one of the things that he is just, I mean, like anal about, dude, is like the food stuff, right? I mean, food, alcohol, stuff like that, cutting it all out. Are you like super, super, and I know Brunson's on some stuff. Grant Cardone talks about it every now and then. But like, do you, are you super anal about food and like only put it in like organic this, organic this? Or are you more focused on other things when it comes to genetics? Like habits working out like where do you draw the line as far as that's concerned i, I would take food advice from brunson and, Gr and cardone before i took it from sam sam doesn't look like the physique you want cardone's jacked you know brunson's he wears baggy clothes but he he's i've been to his house two or three times like he's in great shape right he's i've watched wrestler wrestler too, yeah. yeah yeah i've watched he's an athletic dude sam not so much so um but so yes that's a big deal for me is is working out and all that but uh the food side of it man so here's the easiest diet I can tell you. And it all starts from here. This is like the gateway drug. So let's say that you eat a hamburger for lunch on the regular. Just eat half of it this next time. So eat a hamburger and fries. It's like eat a ha half a hamburger and half the fries and then just wait 30 minutes. And if you're still hungry in 30 minutes, eat the rest of it. Instead of eating steak for dinner, eat chicken, right? Just like little small tweaks because here's the thing. If you save... 500 calories a day, which isn't very much. Let's just say at the end of 10 days, that's 5,000. At the end of the month, that's 15,000 calories you didn't consume, right? In a month's period of time, just by making small tweaks. And that stuff starts to stack up the same way that those small tweaks got you fat and out of shape. They'll start to reverse that process if you reverse the tweaks. Yeah. And so I don't think you have to go keto. And it's cool if you want to do that. That's fine, right? Or right, right, right. diet or whatever. But for me, I was just like, okay, I just... uh make a little bit better choice. So for dinner every night, we eat salad and chicken, but like a creative salad, not some BS, like boring stuff, you know? And, uh, but that to me, that's what's worked. And then making sure you take the right supplements and stuff. Yeah, I like uh, First Form, which is Andy Frisella's yeah, company. I like yeah, he's a lot. Awesome. He's a good friend of mine. He's a great dude. He's one of my mentors and uh, he knows his stuff. So I trust him enough to know that if he's putting his label on it, it's the best you can get for it's sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, cool. So, the third thing, the third G is oh, yeah, your grind. Yeah. That's your job, right? So you got to go into work. So many right. people go into work and then they lose focus. We have a saying here in my office, we do 48 seven. So that's 48 hours worth of work, seven days a week, right? So most people have 24 hours in a day. We get 48 hours worth done. Here's what I do. Everything in my life is focused. So everything in my life is on that calendar. From the time I wake up to the time I go to the gym, to the time I eat lunch, to the time I go to the bathroom, for everything. When you set up this podcast, what I say, hey, here's a link to get yep. on my calendar, right? Is, yep. About 30 minutes before it was time for us to get on there, we started communicating and we got on right on time, actually a little early because I finished a little early and so did you. But I live and die by that calendar. And that's what keeps me focused. At the end of the day, I can say, hey, did I do the things that I told myself I was going to do today? I can hold myself accountable because as an entrepreneur, Josh, you don't have a boss looking over your shoulder, yeah. right? As a salesperson in your own commission only, you don't typically have a boss looking over your shoulder either. So my boss is this calendar looking over my shoulder, keeping me accountable, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's how I get the work done. So 
focus on the win there. And the last thing that you got to focus on every single day, area that you want to win every single day is the group of people. So who did you invest into that day? Would you invest into one of your employees, one of your business partners, your referral partners, a mentor, a mentee, a wife, a husband, kids, a a brother, sister, mother, who did you invest your time in? And I'm not talking about sitting next to them on the couch on a phone. Like when I get home from work, phones go in the office. I sit down next to my kid. I invest time being there with them. Right when when earlier today I had two of my employees in here, I invested time just being present with them and laughing and having a good time and and making them feel good and talking about some of the things that we needed to get. I'm investing in somebody every single day. Yesterday I went and picked up one of my clients online that lives in Belgium. I picked I, I we met online like this and I helped him make sales live on the air. Every day I'm investing in somebody. Today I gave fifteen hundred dollars to charities that Tony Robbins runs because he said that he would match. Uh, yeah, I saw that. That was awesome. Well done, dude. And so what I'm doing, man, is I'm making investments into every day. So I'm focused on the relationships because Ed Milet taught me this. He's a good friend of mine. He taught me this. He says, you know, if you're a seven naturally and you hang around a bunch of sixes and fives, they will bring you down to a six or a five. If you're a seven, you hang around a bunch of eights, nines, and tens, you'll at least be a seven for the rest of your life. Possibly you could be a 10 right? But you'll never be a 10 hanging with six and fives. So you've got to constantly evaluate the group of people that you're around. But just because someone's a six or a five doesn't mean you have to be an asshole to them. Doesn't mean you have to tell them to never bother you again or be, you just not be conscious to build that relationship up because they're re- choosing to remain a six, whereas you're choosing to try to become a 10. Okay. And so every day at the end of the day, I open that Evernote back up. And I'm making an app on this. It'll be out in two weeks. So don't worry. It'll be 100% free. Again, I don't have nothing to sell you. It's just a tracker app that I made. And at the end of the day, I open up Evernote and I go back in there and I write down, I look at my calendar and I write down everywhere I won for the day. Did a podcast with Josh, right? Hired a new person, gave money to charity, right? Spent time with my kids. Like I write down before I go to sleep, last thing before I go to sleep, I write those things down that I won for the day. And then the last thing that I do is in that same Evernote, I write down what I learned for the day. What's the lesson? The one single takeaway for the day. One Navy SEALs debrief after every exercise they go through. So I debrief at the end of the day. And so it might be a sentence. It might be a paragraph. It might be a damn essay, depending on what kind of day I had. Yeah. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah. But every day I wake up focusing on being grateful. I go to sleep knowing I won. If I have a bad day, ladies and gentlemen, I go back to that Evernote and I look up all those times and all those days that I won. I remind myself that I'm a winner. I look up everything that I'm grateful for. And I remind myself that I'm a happy dude, that I have a great life. And every day I focus on those four areas. And because I'm undistracted, because I've defined clearly what to focus on every day, the force of average doesn't affect me. Let me tell you a funny story, man. Let's do it. This contractor, I run a real estate business, pretty big one, multi, multi, multi-million dollar business here. And, and a contractor stole 60 grand from us. He didn't do the work, basically told us to piss off whatever you guys going to do, whatever, sue me or whatever. Right. Well, technically we, we paid them with bank money. So it's, it's highly illegal. Uh, <laughs> I, I file, I filed the, uh, I have my COO get together the paperwork to be able to file the report. Right. So, I mean, it's just, it's just, we tried everything that we could. This is what it's come to right before we, we get ready to make the call. Cause I have her make calls cause I sound aggressive and shit. So she sounds like a victim. It no. just works calls, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so, and plus, I don't want him to look me up and go, hi, hell, he's a criminal, whatever it doesn't right. count, he says, right? <laughs> so, before she could call him, we get a call from the police department. Police department, uh, and I get nervous. I, I'm like, oh, shoot, what I do, right? Somebody robbed a Home Depot in an FYE hat, which is, uh, 
which is our, our logo. Like it's uh, F your excuses. I promise Joshua wouldn't cuss too much. I've given my <laughs> one F bomb for the right off the rip. I gave the one F bomb away. I got excited. Um, but it's F your excuses. Right. And so the, the, the police captain or investigator or whatever Google's FYE finds me, finds break free Academy, sees that we sell those hats, sends us oh, a picture of this person man, no. and it's that dude. No. <laughs> So typically, the force of average would have me distracted that this guy stole money from me. Meanwhile, I'm just business as usual, focus on doing the things I got. And karma brought it back around to me today before I could even get to it anyway. That's the beauty of, and I'm, 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 that's, I'm not saying some law of attraction stuff. I mean, that's the beauty of me being focused. If I'd have been distracted, I'd have caused more problems than this and it never came my way. But I, I didn't let that distract me. I stayed focused. And guess what, man? Usually things will work out in the end anyway. I found that to be true. It's crazy how much when you just let things sit, they'll, they'll you know, as long as you're intentional about doing your stuff that they, that they go through. One of the questions that I get a lot, I, I communicate a lot with the listeners of the audience though. And I kind of want to shift a little bit here. Two of the big questions that we get that I think would be awesome for you is number one, habit forming, and then two, sales and networking, which we'll get to later on here in a minute. But you talk about, you know, waking up every day and you've got these four G's. And I, I believe that anyone that follows those four, I mean, you're a living proof of it. It'll totally radically transform your life, right? And there's a lot of people out there that have these things, have, you know, the four pillars or the three this, whatever, that are good things that will change your life. How do you, or how did you, or what's your advice to someone who like, they just can't stay focused, dude. Like they just can't create a habit. It's like, yeah, I know every morning I should be waking up and, and writing in the Evernote. I know at the end of the day, I should be debriefing, right? I should be taking my supplements or whatever. How does one start to go create the habits to actually go and do that? Because that seems to be the biggest thing that people lack. Well, there ain't nothing to do it. There ain't nothing to it, but to do it, you know, like uh, we create habits with our actions, not with our mind. We create habits by taking actions and repetition. Habit isn't created from thinking stuff, right? Like most of us that are out of shape know, or I should say most of you that are out of shape know what to do in the gym. You go in, you get on the treadmill, you exercise, you eat, right? Hell, we all know what to do, right? It's just some of us choose not to do it. And so I look at it, someone says, man, it's hard for me to get in the habit or I can't stay focused. Well, first of all, why are you telling yourself that? Because your subconscious hears everything, like everything that's ever happened to you has been, has been stored inside the hard drive, which is your subconscious. Yep. Think about a computer memory. That's your subconscious. Conscious, yeah. it's like RAM, right? It goes through and it searches the subconscious for the data file that's already there. So if you've been telling yourself for 10 years, I have ADD, I can't focus, can't pay attention, I'm not a detail person, your subconscious has programmed your conscious to believe that lie. Yeah. Why? Because the force of average is in there. You have to start reversing that. You have to start saying, I focus, I'm a deter. You've heard me say several times in here, I'm a focused individual, right? It would be easy for me to go, oh, ADD moment or whatever. It's like, you know what? I made a mistake. I have to own that. It's not an ADD moment. It's a moment where I lost focus. I have to work on that. It doesn't happen overnight. Habits come from repetition. But I'm telling you, uh, as a person that's done this, if, if you forget, right, let's just say if you forget, then you need some sort of reminder. Have an alarm for the first two months that I did. An alarm went off at seven o'clock every night, you know, and the alarm on my phone. And it said, hey, write down your wins no for the day. Yeah. No just little things. Yeah. How we do you make a decision. We really do. You know, we make a decision and the decisions that maybe somebody out there listening right now has made is, is the decisions get you where you are in life right now. So maybe there's somebody out there listening that's been making all the decisions that you've made has got you to where you are right now. If you don't like the path that you're on, start making different decisions, you know? Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. I mean, simple things like the alarm. I feel like, I feel like people think, and you've touched on this a couple of times, especially like the eating less thing. 
I feel like so many people, they think that they have to make these giant changes in their life in order to make giant changes. When in reality, it's like, I mean, I always use the example of you, you look at a gate, right? And the gate could be no matter how big that gate is, that gate is on a hinge. And that hinge is like this big compared to this big old gate. And that whole entire thing moves. If you move that hinge this much, your life go, or that gate goes like this. I feel like that's the same thing is true with life, right? I mean, would that be your experience? Well, here's, here's what I know about, you're right with the, the gate, but like I have a friend who's a billionaire, like certified more money than you and I could count if we started counting the rest of our lives, right? <laughs> and uh, he says, all these dudes, he, I ask him like, how do you get rich, man? Like, how do you just like get rich and stay like, you are filthy rich. Like, how do you do that? And he's just an average dude. You know what I mean? And he says, uh, well, everybody else, my whole entire life, he's older. That's one thing a lot of you younger folks forget is that it takes a while to get here right? We see the YouTube stars with the Lamborghini at 21 and you want one. I'm 40 just now getting one, right? And so there's good things come to those that, that put their priorities right. But he says, everybody out there was chasing these huge returns and these real risky deals. And so they might do 10 deals and eight of them not work out, but one was a big lick and that's what got him ahead. He's like, dude, I just kept doing five, 10 and 15% deals for 20 years and never lost a dollar. I made safe bets the whole time. And while everybody else chased this big, huge, like you said, chase the gate, I chased the hinge, you know? And uh, it's the same thing. It's like, like I told you, hey, you just cut out 500 calories a day. It's 30,000 calories a month. When I say, I'm sorry, 15,000 calories a month. That's a huge change. Over the course of a year, right? That's what? That's 150, 75,000 calories that you've cut out. Dude, that is a lot of calories. And it's a small little, maybe you eat half a hamburger a day type of thing. Yeah. Then you're cutting out that much. It's all the little stuff. It's all the little stuff. How, what's been the biggest, so I follow you and I see a lot of your statuses, especially the ones where you talk about the transformations that you've gone through. I think identity is huge, right? In people's lives and the identity shifts that people go through. You talked about your ego dying and, and how that's been an amazing thing for you for team leadership and whatnot. What's been the biggest shift to go from, right? Because you, you went from being, solo act Ryan in making a million millions of dollars, right? I mean, maybe there's a couple people under you and cycling through people and creating a lot of haters, like a lot of haters in the process to making the shift of like, oh, I'm actually just going to build something that lasts, build a team, build a system, have the entire thing go through to now have multiple million, multi-million dollar companies. What's been the biggest shift, the biggest change in that? And how did you, like, what was the realization moment that you realized, oh, that's got to be the change I have to make? Well, two, two things. Like one time I got drunk in an afternoon. This is like a very shameful moment. I don't know that I've shared this before, but there's people who know this story. So it is what it is. And there's a little place here in Dallas called Me Casino. They have a quite delicious drink called a Mambo Taxi. Mambo Taxis in quantities of one or two will make your afternoon absolutely amazing. And quantities of three or four, they will totally, I'm going to use my second F-bomb here, <laughs> your day up, right? And this was one of those days for me. And I'm not, I can't make this story up, Josh. And you're going to just laugh your ass off, right? Now, first of all, Russell Brunson and I were friends up until this point. Like, been to his house a couple times. And, uh, and I don't know that we're not friends anymore. It's just kind of awkward because of this, right? <laughs> and uh, he's a nice guy. So I'm lucky. He could have uh, come over and wrestled me, right? Um, but there was a, a lady in his group named Julie who I think works for him now. And she was hating on Dan Henry. Now, I kid you not, I was at Me Casino with these delicious Mambo taxis, four deep, which is a horrible idea. Oh, boy. <laughs> with, with, I cannot make this up. You ready for this part? It gets better. 
with Ken Shamrock, Guy Metzger, and about four or five of my friends that fight, right? So I'm with two UFC champions eating lunch. Oh my gosh. Drunk. They're not drunk. I'm drunk, right? And like, they don't know because I'm being cool in person. But meanwhile, online, Dan Henry got me fired up and I'm arguing with this person online, right? And some dude interjected and started hating on whatever. And I lost my mind. I start going all penitentiary on this dude and offering to buy him plane ticket here, or a plane ticket there. Just belligerent, drunk, moronic stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Click Funnels kicks me out. I'm pretty sure they filed charges up in <laughs> Idaho or what they didn't file, but it was bad. Like it was, it was things that like the next day I had to apologize to everybody. It's like, look, I usually don't do that. Right. You know? And they weren't even wiring me up. I just felt drunk and cocky because I'm around these, these things, these dudes, right? These right, bad right. Dudes, right. Meanwhile, they don't even know this is going on. They're not even agging me on or nothing. They have no idea if this is going on. And I, the next, and we're still friends. The next day I wake up and I'm like, oh shoot, man, I really messed up. Right. And I had to go apologize to Julie and, oh and uh, Russell and them had me blocked and stuff from that point. So I never really got, but at that point I hit up Frank Kern and I said, uh, dude, I really messed up, man. Cause I, you know, I don't care about Julie or that dude, but now Russell thinks less of me and I kind of like the guy, you know, and, and I don't believe in the whole hacker stealing people's stuff, but, but I, I like Russell. He's a respectful dude. He's grown great, great business. Gives yeah. A yeah. I love Russell. Yeah. And, uh, and Frank goes, man, you got to go see Dr. Pratt. And so that, that was part one. I went and seen this guy, George Pratt, who helped Rob Dyrdek and, and a bunch of other famous people. He, he, uh, he's a great psychologist or psychiatrist over in, uh, uh, La Jolla, California. So I, I did about six months with him. He's got a few books on Amazon and stuff. Totally changed my life. He's mm-hmm. like Phil Mickelson's coach, Tony Ro- or a therapist, Tony Robbins therapist. Like he's wow. that guy. And uh, and he's results, not come in and talk about it. Let's make you feel good. It's like <laughs> you know, in a nice way. Um, then, so I'm on this search for why I got these anger problems. Well, it turns out it's because I've been abandoned my whole life, adopted, abused, divorced, right? So I figure all this out through the course of going through this. Then I, once I get it all rewired, I'm like, I'm not angry anymore. You know what I mean? Like, and I look at, back at some of the things that used to make me angry and I'm like, oh my God, dude, man, I was such a, I had so much to grow. I thought I was somebody then and I had so much to grow. The people that knew that had to be watching me had to be going, man, I hope this guy either fades away or gets it together. They're probably clapping for me now. Yeah, yeah. I had a, like you said, massive amounts of haters, like massive amounts of haters. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know anybody who, if they do, they're not very public. I'm sure there's people that don't really care for me, but I mean, I don't have anybody. I used to have people go on crusades against me. Oh, I, bro, bro. I watched the drama online. Oh my gosh. It was insane. For, for the record, none of those bitches ever won, but I'm, <laughs> saying, I'm still here. Still here. I'm just saying I'm still here. But the truth is I deserved all of that because I didn't know how to deal with people the right way. It's something you had to learn. You know, I learned the methods that I have now for dealing with people from Andy and Ed Milet who run huge companies, which is what I'm, I'm building into, you know? Yeah. Um, but so during that search, Josh, I go to Utah. Who knew that Mormons did this? But like I go to Utah, I meet some Mormons. And I have an ayahuasca ceremony up in the mountains. And ayahuasca? Uh, dude, I did all sorts of stuff. I'm trying to fall. I'm trying to fix this problem, right? Like I hired... Oh. George Pratt, John Cheplak, and I went and drank ayahuasca, right? So I'm going through all these different I things. I trying, to, try ayahuasca. trying to get trying to get resolution, right? So I go pay like five thousand dollars to go through this thing alone. Terrible idea. You want to do it with other people, but whatever. And so I don't know that I think I want to be private moment. You know what I mean? But no, you really want to do it with other people because privately it's it's weird. So yeah, I messed you uh, up. But I did it, right? And uh, 
it's funny. I'll, I'll tell you this. So like before they do it, they, they make sure you're not on drugs for a couple of days, no alcohol, no antidepressants. Like when I say drugs, I don't mean like pot and shit like that. I mean like they don't want you on Zoloft or anything. You need to be completely dry. Yeah. What they do is they have this chick and she's kind of cute and uh, you know, like, like a nurse or something like that that comes in and she gives you these, this frog poison. They burn holes in your back and wipe this poison on you. And uh, basically you, shit and puke violently violently sir like i'm talking about like you've never had food poisoning this way in your life right and so they're telling me this and i was like yeah yeah well whatever and they're like all you gotta do is just when it happens just run to the bathroom and we'll go in there and make sure everything's okay you're gonna feel like you're dying but you're not gonna die just like it's cleaning you out oh my god and and i was like there's no way i'm gonna like use the bathroom in front of this chick like there's yeah. no way Dude, 30 seconds later, I wouldn't have cared if Jesus himself was standing in front of me. Like, I'm like, like, it was horrible, right? Like, I shit out pieces of gum I swallowed in kindergarten, man. I mean, it cleaned everything. And I don't say it to be gross. I'm just saying that's what this does, right? Yeah, yeah. So then all of a sudden, my colon's clean. You don't need a colonoscopy. Just go hit the frog, right? <laughs> my stomach's clean. I got no food, no nothing. I'm crystal clean. They make me wait 12 hours, and then they give me the ayahuasca. Man, I am high as eagle ass, right? And I have this experience where I go and I leave my body and I go to outer space and there's this like thing, I'll call it like the goat God, but it's like this thing that's like a, a mixture of everything from grass to goats to people to deer to mountains. Like it's just this, this being that like, it's hard to explain. I couldn't draw it if I tried. And I was like, man, you know what? I'm trying to change the world and these morons won't listen to me. It's like I ask me whatever, right? Like a genie or something, right? And I'm like, trying to change the world. These people won't listen to me. They're fighting with me. And all I'm trying to do is just help them, trying to help these degenerates. Because that was my original plan in this, was to help those that couldn't help themselves, right? Like the, the degenerate salespeople and the people they've been shit on like I have. And uh, those guys got baggage, you know what I mean? That I, I wasn't quite equipped to deal with. I was like, why are you acting this way, right? So I'm going through all this frustration. It turns me and it says, you can't change the world by pissing them off. Learn to inspire instead of anger. And about that time, whatever reached down and, and, and pulled me back and the dude gave me another drink. Long story short, that for some reason stuck with me. So like from that day on, I just stopped yelling at people. And I came up with this core value that was, there's two core values that I live by. One of them is just don't be an asshole. Like even it, I used to be like, don't be an asshole first, but that still justified me being an asshole. I just don't want to be an asshole. And occasionally I slip, you know, I get mad, like, you know, it happens, but I'm not perfect. I'm not Jesus, right? I'm just focused on not doing that as often as I used to. And the second one is I just decided to focus on my supporters and not the reporters. You know, like when you're online, you got people that are reporting gossip about you and reporting your post and reporting your correcting your mistakes and stuff like that. And because of the amygdala, we want to jump on those people and justify whatever. Hey, no, you're wrong. I'm really a good person. Or, Hey, no, I'm not a fraud or whatever it is that they're saying. I'm not an asshole. Right. We try to justify it yeah. when the truth is we notice like one or two people that like troll in comments and we ignore the 50 people that give us the fist bump and the thumbs up and the, yeah. and the you rock. Yeah. And so I decided to go the exact opposite. Like the haters, the reason why I don't have any right now is because I don't talk about them. I don't know. I don't ignore them. I don't acknowledge them. Not even remotely interested in conversating with them. I got too many people that support me that I'm focused on. That's awesome. Right? I'm replying to all the comments that people, yeah, hell yeah. Thank you. You changed my life. And I don't even like or respond. They don't even know if I saw their comment when people talk negatively. And I guess what? After a year, just nobody talked negatively anymore. They magically went away. They're, go read any of my posts. There's no bullshit on there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, very different than it was two, three years ago. 
And, and because of that, I just said, you know what? I want to change the world. So I tell you, Josh, I started out just as a business guy. I was helping loan officers. That's what I knew to do. I was really good at it. So I helped loan officers and, uh, I realized that I needed more. So I started help. I thought, okay, well, maybe I need to help business owners. So I, you know, we're 17,000 clients, Josh, we're not a small company, That's right? Awesome. And our average tickets, 2,500 bucks. Like we're not a small company. Right. And and so we've done well, but I still never really felt, but I love my job. And I love my clients. There's got to be something more. And man, so this, the ayahuasca, the Dr. Pratt, the G code, all these things just started magically coming together over the last two years. And I just like put it all together. And I started the clients that hired me to be their business coach and their business consultant. I start doing this mindset stuff with them. Hey, try this. Hey, live this. Hey, the next thing you know, nobody even cares about funnels anymore in our groups. People are talking about their marriages are saved. Their businesses are running smoother than ever. Their lives are on top. Like if I showed you and read the comments on any given day in that group, you'd be like, that's the biggest hype bullshit group I've seen in my life. And these are just people that have literally cracked the code, man. And every morning when I wake up, dude, it's just like, man, I'm grateful for those people, dude, because it, it feels like I'm at a point now where I got more money than, than things I want to buy, which is a good place to be in, which is why I'm able to give the charity and stuff. But so I have everything I want. So it, man, it feels a million times better to watch people, even if they're not my clients, even just somebody like you that I just know, get what you want in life, man. That's such a good feeling, dude. And before all this, if I saw you get what you want and I didn't have everything that I want, I hated you and you didn't even know it, you know? Yeah, no, that's huge. That's huge, man. That's such a huge, oh man, I love that. I, I've been there, dude, to judging other people that, that got stuff. That sucks, man. It's just, it's a prison of your own mind. It is bad. I got to ask you though. Okay, so like you talked about purpose, fulfillment and stuff like that. I want to talk real briefly, if you're cool with it, I want to talk kind of about religion slash God slash overall higher purpose calling, right? So like I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I'm not here to put my faith or religion on anybody. I believe that there's a God up there that loves us and whatnot. But for you, where do you stand on God slash religion and what, how do you define what your higher purpose is? Or do you even believe in that? Do you just like, you know what? I do the best I can here in life. I leave a lasting impact and then I die. Like what, what's you, what do you stand for? What do you believe there? Well, this will be the first time I ever say this. And I'm going to tell you two things that if people have known me for a long time, are going to go, what? Um, number one is, uh, I've been a member of a church since 2003 and uh, never was not a member, even during times when I was like super anti-religious. I was kind of mad at the establishment. I had a lot of anger issues. I think we addressed that earlier. Yeah. Um, but I helped build a church that is about a, a $40 million building, right? Like I, I helped build a church and I still give them money monthly and I still attend about once a month and I still consider the, the pastor my mentor and it is a Christian church, but, and, and I guess if I had to pick a religion, like if you had to ask me what political party I am, I would say, I guess I'm Republican. If you had to ask me what religion, I would say, I guess I'm Christian. But the truth is I'm neither one of those things because I like Obama and Trump. You know what I mean? What? What? Did he just say that? What? <laughs> this? Like, I like both of them. And I like Bush and Clinton and Reagan. Like, I like all, I, like, dude, if you're a leader, you're a leader. I like power, yeah. Yeah. you know? And uh, I was a fan of, I, would, I, I couldn't vote at the time, but I would have voted for Obama. You know what I mean? Like, I like the guy and, and, and I'm going to vote for Trump. Like, that may make some of you mad, but that's like, I like both of those guys, right? I think yeah. both good for different reasons. Well, with religion, in the same way, it's like I have Muslim friends and Jewish friends. And it's weird these days where you almost apologize like I'm a Christian. But I'm not trying to push that on you. It's like, dude, it's cool. Like if that's your, 
that we're Christians are like the only people that say that they're like, you know, well, I'm not trying to push my religion. Like, but if my Muslim friends mention something about Muslim, I mean, they don't apologize for it. They're like, Hey, you right. know what? It's Ramadan. Yeah. And uh, same with my Jewish friends. So it's, it's weird that we feel that way these days, but I, I'm not really a, a Christian in the sense of like, uh, I believe the Bible's got a pretty good principle, but I think there's lots of holes in it. You know what I mean? First mm-hmm. of all, the people that wrote it were mortal. So there's lots of people just tend to lie. Or just be ill-informed, right? Mm-hmm. But there's lots of good stories and principles that I choose to live by in there. Mm-hmm. I hear, so that probably shocks a lot of people that I give to a church and I attend a church, right? But here's, here's the big thing. I did four years of prison. I've read every religious book that I know of from the, the Fagama Gita to the Torah to uh, the Quran to the Bible. I read the Bible four times front to back. And uh, I've even read Dianetics, which is Scientology's Bible. So I... I because I had time in prison. What are you going to read? Religious no, books yeah. or you're going to be bored. You know what I mean? And at the time, I didn't really realize it. But now that I'm older and applying a lot of things, I realized that, you know, religion's complicated, right? You've probably never read the Bible cover to cover. Most people listening definitely have not well, ever read I mean, it. I, I have multiple times. That's awesome. That's, yeah, but that's you're rare. I, I'm, yeah, right. I get that. Super. You're rare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, most people, 99.9% of people on the planet never even read a full book. Right. Bible, right. Yeah, yeah. Or of any religious book. Right. And it's because it's complicated. It hurts your mind. Even when you read Dianetics, which is written by somebody who was living in the time that I was living, it's confusing because he uses words that he makes up and stuff like that. And it's designed to be this mystical thing. So I'm writing a book called The G-Code. We've already got it trademarked and already on the websites and stuff. So you guys can just uh, relax on all of that. <laughs> It'll be out in uh, probably September, October. It'll be a book that uh, I just, whatever Amazon charges, to print it, I'll sell it for. I don't plan on making any money. And uh, it will go down up there with the religious books when my plan executes the way it will. I'm going to take all these, like I have one talent. I've realized this the older I get. So my talent's not necessarily sales. I'm good at sales because of this talent. My talent's not really being this G-code stuff. I'm good at that because of this talent. But I can take complicated stuff like how the world works and how religion works and make it super simple, mm. right? Break. And, and the world is simple, right? There's, there's eight colors. 10 numbers, 24 hours in a day. It's, it's not complex. Everything that we need to know is simple. And so I'm going to break it back down. And it's based on the principles that I learned in these religious books that matter the most that allow us to focus on getting the power that we want. And so, you know, that's it, man. I, I do go to church in, in, in a Christian church, and, but I plan on interrupting uh, the religious establishment by just showing people like, here's the true way to do things to make it happen. I I love that. I I love, I I hate religion. I love spirituality and I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe in God and have a relationship with him. The religion I think is pretty, what's the word? Uh, pretty like pushy and pretty preachy. I don't know. My question, I guess, is to you then, how do you determine what's right and wrong? But I mean, because like for me, like what what, the the problem I got stuck with, and I'm not here, I don't know if I have the answer necessarily. I've defaulted based on what I know currently to believe that the Bible is true and to believe in God. But I'm curious, like, I talk to a lot of people that are like, yo, it's whatever the masses believe, or it's whatever we feel like. It's, you know, you're conscious, it's what's inside you. I'm like, yo, if you think that killing someone's okay and I don't, and you kill someone, but we agree that it's whatever, like maybe it's good for you and not for me. But like, so like, how do you determine what good is and where that ultimately comes from? What truth is, I should say, and how to determine what's right and wrong? Well, society exists because of agreements on what's right and what's wrong, right? That's the whole reason why you and me are here on a podcast comfortably not worried about somebody running through the door and killing both of us, right? right? For the most part. 
And, <laughs> and so, I mean, shoot, you know, it's crazy times, but we, we really live in the safest time to be alive. Right. But I have one, one, one motto, man, that it's, I've lived for the, when I got out of prison, uh, the first time I've lived by this motto the whole entire time. And see, when you're locked up in prison, there are no lies. And if there are, they're quickly exposed because they can't travel very far because they'll be confined within the prison walls. And somebody somewhere saw you do what you said you didn't or didn't do. Yeah. Right. Uh, there is no, uh, you know, I got money. I don't got money. There is none of that because it's all like if you afford soups or you don't. So like in prison, you can't do anything in the dark that you wouldn't do in the light unless you want to wind up like one of the people on the shows you see that get raped or robbed or beat up or whatever. I never had to deal with any of that stuff because I just decided that I wasn't going to get involved in any shenanigans, right? Well, so when I got out, I told myself this, I will never do anything behind closed doors, behind scenes, or that nobody sees that I wouldn't do in front of everybody, including God and the president of the United States. And so I am my tired. I've never been, when I smoked weed every day, I wasn't ashamed of that. I didn't see that as a crime against anybody. I've never stole from anybody. Josh, you might not know this, but I've been at this for 11 years now and I am not on the ripoff report, the salty droid. And I am one of the biggest internet marketers like out there, period. Like I have been around, I'm an OG in the game. I put up the numbers bigger than 99% of most and have done it on my own without affiliates. And I have a hundred percent customer satisfaction online. And it's not because I hired somebody or I just have always done the right thing. If I messed up, I give you your money back. I'll argue with the dude yesterday. They don't have me in their system, but they didn't want to give me their money back. I get mad when people, when I feel like people are stealing from me. And I'm like, dude, I've been running this for 10 years. If somebody's like, Hey, I don't want to go. I just give them their money back. Why argue with them and then piss them off to where they go tell 10 people? And so I'm the same way with everything, right? Like the things I talk about, like I say I bang my wife or whatever. Dude, I'm proud of that. I love my wife. You know what I mean? Like I don't do anything in the dark that I'm not proud of in the light. And because of that, man, I don't have any lies. Guess what? Everybody that I've had to fire or that worked for me or that's been closed or whatever over the years, they don't have any dirt on me. So I just don't do that. So I don't cheat on my old lady. I don't steal from people. I don't act this way online. And as soon as we hang up, go, dude, we're just knocking off heads over here, man, ripping these people. I'm not that guy. Like, this is really who I am. And, and because of that, people are like, he is who he says he's, he's I've hung out with him and, and he's, and we're like, I have friends with money, friends with money, typically do drugs and go to strip clubs and stuff like that. I don't do that, but I look and act like prime suspect for that activity. You know, and then guys find out, it's like, dude, he really didn't go with us. He really did leave. He really didn't get drunk. Like, and they see that. And then I feel like, again, it's like focused on just doing. But how do you determine, and, and I, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to like rag on you, but the, the, all those things are awesome. But like, how do you determine what you do and don't do? Like, you know what I mean? Like, let's say, I don't know, let's say if, if I, I would be embarrassed of it, or if it would get like, if I couldn't do it in front of everybody, I just wouldn't do it. So like me, I'm not going to murder somebody because I wouldn't go up in front of the White House and murder somebody in front of the president. You know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. I'm not going to steal from somebody because I wouldn't want the internet to watch me and steal. Dude, I try not to even run red lights. First of all, I'm a criminal. So whatever the laws are, I obey them motherfuckers, right? Like on my Lamborghini, I don't have a front license plate and I worry that they're going to pull me over every day. And it's only because I don't have a front license plate, right? Like I do my best to obey the law. But second of all, like the Ten Commandments are a pretty damn good judgment of things that you shouldn't, shouldn't do. Shouldn't lie, shouldn't steal, shouldn't rape, shouldn't rob. You know what I mean? That's a pretty good standard to go by. I like that. All right. Yeah, I'd be curious. We'll have to have a conversation sometime because I'm curious as how your mind works. We don't have time here and I don't want to get into it, but I appreciate that answer because I'm just so fascinated by how people, how they make decisions on what's right and wrong because like everybody has kind of like their different way of going about doing it. But 
I definitely people got different ratings on their moral compasses. <laughs> well, and, that's, and that's the thing. I'm like, so how do you, so how do you determine as a general rule or is there even a general rule of like, yo, like for example, if you wouldn't want it done to you, probably shouldn't do it to somebody else. That's but, probably okay, a good but rule. How, okay. But how do you, but how would you do that in like the political realm? Right? Like, I know we're not going to agree, but if you're president, right? Like if you can go and like, you're, if you're the dictator, right? And you're like, no, this is going to be the law because of like how do you determine yes this is good or right no this is wrong or not not based on someone's opinion or is it truly just opinion based you know what i mean i couldn't do that job you know why i could never be a lawmaker because i wouldn't want to make laws i'm like we got enough you know that's why i live in texas we don't have very many like when we still got too many you know yeah uh, i could I, never do that job i couldn't be a tax collector or a lawman i just i couldn't enforce the law like there's no way i could write somebody a speed ticket right it's like dude you want to drive fast you didn't hurt anybody no big deal you're gonna <laughs> right. hurt like, i couldn't like be the worst guy somebody was stealing they, i could arrest them somebody hurt somebody else but like i couldn't pull somebody over for running a red light or for for you know speeding or smoking pot or doing drugs i just couldn't do that in yeah. texas it's illegal to be homeless it would be hard for me to arrest a homeless person i couldn't yeah. do that you know? right yeah yeah all right Ryan, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on here. Got a couple rapid fire questions for you, just that I'm curious about. And then we always end this every interview with the same question. Uh, first question though, favorite car you've ever driven? Uh, that'd be the Rolls Royce Wraith. Really? Yeah. yeah. Favorite? It's, oh, sorry, go ahead. For the record, I've had a lot of cool cars. Your favorite car, I've owned it. So like that's, a, that's, that's well, good I know. feedback. <laughs> you've, got, you've got a Wraith, Lambo, you've had a McLaren. I still have the McLaren. You still have, have the McLaren too? I have a McLaren, a truck, and an Escalade right now. What's your favorite sports car you've ever driven? Uh, definitely McLaren 720. Really? The McLaren 720? Okay. Fastest thing on the planet. The quarter mile, there's nothing faster out of the factory. I can't wait to drive one of those things one day. <clears throat> I've never driven a McLaren. Lambo, yes, but not a McLaren. Um, favorite airline to fly on? Private. private. Do you fly private primarily? A lot, yeah. Yeah? Uh, favorite... Business credit card. I know this is random, but American Express Platinum. I have seven of them. <laughs> I wow. love them. Yeah, yeah. I have one of them, so not seven, but I've got one of them there. Uh, favorite food? Uh, I like chicken. Like chicken. All right. And favorite. You cook it. <laughs> favorite. Uh, favorite book. Man, that's a good one. Probably can't hurt me by David Goggins. Everyone has told me that book is so good. Is it really that good? Like it's worth reading. So David was my coach for about eight months back in 2017 before he was famous and shit like that. I, I've, uh, I worked with him and uh, he's an amazing dude for sure. He was part of this journey, a big part of it. That's awesome. Uh, two more questions. One, if someone wanted to say, Ryan, what's the most important thing in sales? What would that be? Uh, learn to become a problem solver. Learn to become a problem solver. That's awesome. We don't get All paid right. to sell and talk fancy. We get paid to figure out what someone's problem is and offer a solution to it. Yep. I love that. All right. Last question. You are on your deathbed and you, everything that you've done in life is gone. No one knows anything about you. All your businesses are gone, but every single person in your life that you have ever influenced, touched, or that knows your name, you can leave them with one final message. What would that message be? Stick to the G code. Stick to the G code. Stick I love it. Life. Down to the root. Last thing when I die, man, that's what I want. They're like, don't forget the G code. Don't forget the G code. Ryan, thank you so much for having on or coming on, my man. I appreciate you. Yeah, dude, I had a good time, man. This was a, a good conversation. I, I really feel like, you know, we didn't just like get on here with some business and sales and stuff. Like we got on here and we talked about some some real deal. I think the audience really enjoy it. That that's awesome. I appreciate it. Who who are some other people that I should try to get on the podcast that are like you? You know, there's a guy named Mark Jennison. 
who has been a friend of mine for a while and uh, for about four years and he helps people beat addiction and he's good at it. Mm. Real good at it. Like high level guys like me with addiction problems. Uh, man, if you can get Dr. Pratt on your podcast, George Pratt, he's in La Jolla, California, call his office. He, he's up for sometimes doing stuff like that. He'd be somebody that's really good as well. And, uh, if you know, Alan Belcher, I don't know if you know him or not. He's, he's a UFC guy, uh, runs business training, other UFC guys and coaches a few guys that are belt holders in the UFC right now. Um, he's a good friend of mine. If you want an introduction, he'd be a good guest for you. Cool. Cool. We'll have been to hit the head a few times. So he's a little slow, but he's a good ass dude. <laughs> good, good, good. I'm just playing. Don't fucking, if you hear this in the future, Alan, don't come after me. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna Alan, Alan, I'm going to reach out to you. I know you're slow. <laughs> Ryan told me, but all right, Ryan guys. Uh, thank you so much, Ryan, for being on here guys. As always hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are literally going to be the ones that change the world. Ryan's proof of that. I love you all. And I will see you on the next podcast episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace. Yo, what's up, guys? You've been listening to the Think Different Theory with myself, Josh Forty, which I like to call a new paradigm of thinking. And real quick, I got a question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message of positivity and making the world a better place is if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this is out on that you like my stuff and that I'm doing something right. So if you could take like three seconds out of your day and subscribe, leave a rating, and a review, I would be forever grateful for you. Also, I want to hear from you. I want to know your feedback back your ideas and your questions for future episodes so be sure to hit me up on instagram in the dm at josh 40 or via email contact at thinkdifferenttheory.com